captain's logs. Han Solo. I'm Captain of the Millennium Falcon. This is Captain Jean-Luc Picard of the Federation Starship Enterprise. Listening to Captain's Logs and Lightsabers, part of the Geek News Now podcast network. Hey, Captain's Logs and Lightsabers listeners. Got tats? Love your ink? But are you worried that your art will fade over time and the cost to keep it looking vibrant and fresh gets to be too much? Well, that's where Mad Rabbit comes in. After just one use, you'll see how Mad Rabbit is effective on old and new tattoos. All natural ingredients are used to keep this from feeling oily or greasy. Even better, use promo code CLLPOD and save a whopping 20% on every purchase. Keep your ink looking great and save money. Check it out. MadRabbit.com. Promo code CLLPOD. Welcome to episode 28 of Captain's Logs and Lightsabers podcast. We are the podcast on the Geek News Now network that discusses both Star Trek and Star Wars in the same podcast. My name is Jonathan. And I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Chris. How's it going? I'm good, Jonathan. It's good to be back. Hello, everybody. So, Chris isn't the only one joining me today. Um, Today we are talking about the third and final season of Star Trek Picard. And that show is just too big to just be the two of us yakking nonstop about it. So, uh, (laughs) we have a guest joining us. Our guest today is a podcast host in his own right, but I'll let him tell you a little bit more about that. Welcome to the show, Mikey. Hey, Jonathan. Hey, Chris. Thanks so much for having me on. I'm excited to get to do something that I don't often get to do on my podcast, which is talk about Star Trek television. Uh, That is something that I have been watching since I was a kid, so I'm looking forward to discussing that with you guys. My podcast, the Deucecast Movie Show, in the title, uh, is mostly about movies. Um, So yeah, sure, we've talked about the Star Trek films, but to dive into a television series is um, a brave new world for me. So I'm excited to to dive in with you guys. Very nice. Yeah. Is it a strange new world or just brave? Just brave. Just brave. It's not <laughs> strange. That That's saved for a, uh, a Captain Pike show that we all know and love. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry for the dad joke, everybody, but you had to know it was coming. <laughs> all right. So, um, hey, on, on that note, Mikey, thanks again for coming on. Um, yes. I have been listening to the Deucecast for quite a few years now and you always put out a quality product it's it's always fun to listen to uh you and dr earl and and dave talking about all the movies that you've seen and everything it's it's a good show um so check it out it's uh the Deucecast movie show um we will link to the apple podcasts uh page for that so that you can check it out definitely definitely appreciate that yeah yeah, absolutely. And it's the least I can do for you for coming on. I appreciate it. Okay, so we're going to kick off the show the way we always do, and that's with How Did You Geek This Week. We're going to start with our guest, Mikey. 
Well, I mean, we sort of talked about it already, but um, Strange New World Season 2 started back up. So I took advantage of that and watched the first episode. Uh, very much enjoyed it. Uh, the pacing it was very similar to the first se- uh, season. Lots of action, uh, some good comedy, which, you know, um, Anston Mount has always got the good comedic timing. Um, and the high stakes, I like, I mean, even in the first episode, there was mm-hmm. high stakes going on. So I really, not to spoil it or anything, uh, but I really did enjoy it. So I enjoyed doing that. Uh, I did several other geeky things this week as well, but if I'm only allowed to have one, that's the one, I, that's the one I'll mention. There you There's go. no rules in this section. Uh, yeah. <laughs> if you have any more nerd stuff, bring it up. Oh, sure. I mean, Secret <laughs> Invasion obviously started and uh, for the MCU, and it's been a minute since we've had an MCU show on Disney+. Plus. Mm. So I was very excited for that. And it's um, if you watched Andor, so Star Wars Andor, I think tonally it's very similar. The this, this it's got a very serious tone uh, to it, and it looks like um, it's going to be a pretty intense show. Uh, so I'm, I, I really implore you to watch that if you've been keeping track of the MCU shows. It's only six episodes, so it's uh, going to be an easy watch at least. It'll just be six, six weeks of your life uh, since they don't do the binge model on Disney+. Plus. Um, yeah. Okay, so only one episode was released today correct yeah okay Okay. yeah the marketing confused me a little bit because it almost sounded like they were dropping all six episodes at once no no they are doing that for a show later this year called echo but um which is that was a character that was in the hawkeye series but they uh they are doing the standard uh weekly release with this particular show all right very cool um i also watched strange new world it wasn't the most thrilling episode. Like you said, Mikey, there are some high stakes just with the way that they're threading in some mm-hmm. things that happened in the previous season already. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was, a, it was a nice softball setup to reintroduce us to the characters and, and the um, everything that has had taken place in the first season, uh, which, you know, it was, it was a good start to the season. I'm hoping that it kicks a little more into high gear. And Chris, I know you haven't had a chance to watch it yet, so yeah, not yet. It's on my agenda for within the next day or so. so but I'm looking forward to it. Um, part of what I've I'm really looking forward to is seeing the Klingons with their their makeup. Mm-hmm. They brought them to kind of looking like Klingons again, not like the Discovery version. So that that made me a little bit excited. Just to see or the, the TOS version, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I'm I'm interested in that. That's what's really going to drive me to watch the episode is to kind of see that Klingon arc. But um, hopefully within the next day or two, I'll get to watch it. Yeah. The more I think about it, the more I hate the design of the Klingons at the beginning of Discovery. That was mm-hmm. just... Oh, yeah. Me too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't like Isn't it. Isn't that what do people call them? The Klingorks? Isn't that <laughs> I what they're called? I can see that. I can yeah, see that. I've seen yeah. people online say something like that. Yeah. So, yes. But, it, I mean, at least it shows that the Star Trek producers are trying to listen to the fans and kind of brought him back in line with with the way they looked during the next generation era so you know kudos to them for for doing that yeah yeah and speaking of listening to fans i i think our discussion today is really going to be the ultimate testament to to listening to the fans and giving them what they want right absolutely definitely <laughs> and i think there's a lot of excitement with people about wanting to discuss picard season three because it's just it was just like a 
nerdgasm of stuff you know what i mean it was just Very incredible so. yeah. yeah yeah i mean yeah it was like after it was one thing was so good it was like after the episode ended you were like okay i gotta watch the next one but i gotta wait a week oh man you know <laughs> it, it was horrible you know but it was it, the season was just incredible it was a wonderful ending to the next generation i hope they don't do anything more with them it was a beautiful ending for them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, yeah. no, you're right. I mean, no, I, you know, fans are clamoring for that whole Star Star Trek legacy thing, yes. uh, which I think could incorporate some of the next-gen characters if, if they wanted to, obviously. Sure. Uh, but, you know, you're right, though. I, I, it was a nice ending to uh, that crew um, mm-hmm. in total. So, yeah, it, it was good. Absolutely. All right. So, Chris, how did you geek this week? Oh, let's see here. This week, uh, didn't really do much of any geeking this week. If you don't mind, I can go back a couple couple things throughout June that, I, that I've done. Um, yeah, go for it. First weekend in June, as I said in my, our previous episode, as, as I'm a member of the USS Stella Parada through Starfleet International, and we did the Three Rivers Comic Con. It was, uh, I believe it was uh, June 3rd, June 4th. Uh, the, the attendance at the con was a little less this year, but there was a lot of stuff going on. In addition to the con, you had uh, was it uh, Three Rivers Arts Festival, you had the uh-huh. Pride Parade, and there was something else going on at the exact same time. So everybody's loyalty basically was torn you know so um but so it was a slower weekend than last year um but we still did very good at our table with our games that we played to earn money for our charity called extra life and we ended up making well over 300 dollars, and we were just 40 dollars short of what we made last time so for it being a slower weekend i think we did a pretty good job so we were all happy about that yeah and i think the other thing with uh attendance at uh, Three Rivers, Com- Three Rivers Comic Con was at the time the pirates were riding a hot streak. So that's it. Yes, they're that's actually it. butts and seats. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So yeah. So the attendance was down a little bit at the con, but it was an absolute blast. And and you know we got to see some really great cosplay there. And there were some little kids were there having a good time. Their eyes were lighting up, and they were loving the games that we we had for the charity. So it was a good time. Um, let's see. The only other real thing I've done geek this week was uh well on june 9th uh i'm probably in the minority here but most star trek fans don't like star trek 5 but for me it's a special movie because it was the first one i was old enough to see in the theater i was eight years old when it first came out in 89 so i it's part of my tradition i always watch it on on uh here at the house so it was nice to just kind of sit back chill and and rewatch it and relive some old memories you know it's Mm. been it's been 34 years already since it came out yeah, you might like this first episode of uh, Strange New Worlds then. Oh, good. Oh, good. Something. To, <laughs> something there's a little nugget, something else is going to yeah, pull me in. Yeah, there's a little nugget in there for you. Nice. Nice. <laughs> Looking forward to it. Looking forward to it. And uh, really, I think that's about it. I Oh, I did go to a place called CD Warehouse yesterday, and I got the first season of the original Star Trek series on Blu-ray. And uh, got a Star Trek Klingon fan collective on DVD. I saw the different episodes they had on here and it was worth the buy. So, but that's, that's pretty much it. That's all my nerding for the week or for the <laughs> month so far. All right. So I guess that leaves me. Um, so probably about two weeks ago, my wife and I uh, started watching the show 12 monkeys. It was a sci-fi original series. Mm-hmm. Um it started in 2015, and it is based on the film starring Brad Pitt, directed by Terry Gilliam from 92. Is that correct, Mikey? 
No, I thought it was 90. Was it later? I thought it was 95, okay. but I could be wrong. I don't know. Uh, yeah. The 90s are a blur. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, it's based on the film. Um, what's what's interesting about it is it ran four seasons, a planned four seasons. Um, so it, it was always designed to end uh, that way, the way that it did. Uh, we finished the first season. Um, I guess of note, uh, it's maybe important to mention that the showrunner for season three of Picard, Terry Metalis, uh, was the creator and executive producer on 12 Monkeys as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, watching Picard uh, in my rewatch in preparing for this episode, I started to notice a lot more connections to 12 monkeys that, <laughs> that yeah. I didn't catch the first time because now I'm familiar with the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yep. It's, and, and that's, and that's more than just the fact that uh, Todd Stashwick is in both shows. There are other nods and other references to uh, 12 monkeys in season three of Picard that I picked up on now. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Yeah, so. I did. I watched a little bit of that series when it had its original run, but I did not complete that series. Um, I wasn't like a huge Twelve Monkeys fan, so wasn't yeah. really, like totally drawn to it. But it was intriguing, and it certainly had a fan base. I mean, it uh, it was a critically acclaimed show, from what I understand. I don't know, you know, back then if a lot of people were watching it at the time, but um, it <laughs> it did have uh, some some critics that seemed to like it quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's really good. It's very well crafted. Um, Terry Metalis really knows how to uh, create a serialized show. I mean, mm-hmm. everything matters. Everything that you see matters. But it's not a show that you can watch casually. Like you have to be fully paying attention. You can't just put it on the background and and just hope that you you pick up on the main you know everything that's going on. Because uh, there were times where I glanced away from the screen for one or two minutes just checking my phone and I was, I had to rewind. Yeah. I mean, and it's interesting that you say that because I, he, he seems like he really excels at character work. Um, and that really came through with Picard season three. Whereas to me, at least the previous two seasons were lacking in that somewhat. Yeah. And Uh he really brought out some, some of really the best character work in a Star Trek series since, you know, like Deep Space Nine, in my opinion. I mean, it, it was really, really good stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, he was. He did a really good job of showing the crew how much they had matured together and how they truly had become a, a big family. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and then they even made the Enterprise D part of that family, too, by bringing yeah. it back and bringing Data back. I mean, it was just, I just it was mind-blowing what, yeah, what he was yeah. able to, to do. And uh, there was nothing but praise that came from the Next Generation cast for the endings for, all, for their characters. I believe it was LeVar Burton who actually said in an interview, if this is the last time I ever play Geordi LaForge, I'll be satisfied. Yeah, no. And I mean that, yeah. How could you not feel that way after the stuff that they all got to do? I mean, it, yes. it, was, it was really great. Absolutely. Oh, right. Um, anybody have any other geeky things to talk about before we move on? No, I don't think so. Move the ship out of the asteroid field so that we can send a clear transmission. Captain, incoming message. Come closer, I have good news. All right. Well, on that note, uh, we will cover some news. So the first thing um, we kind of already talked about, and that was the premiere of Strange New World. So we're going to skip right next. <laughs> right to, <laughs> We're going to skip right down to the next one. Um, so... Uh, 
you know, on the last episode, we talked about the uh, the writer strike that's going on in Hollywood right now. And uh, I know that we had surmised that we're going to see some things getting delayed, but it really didn't take all that long uh, to, 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 you know, to know um, what, you know, the state of Star Wars uh, because of the writer strike. So the 2025 theatrical film that was supposed what it was supposed to be the continuation of Ray's story in the new Jedi order. I believe um, that got bumped to 2026. So mm. as of right now, we have two star Wars movies set to come out in 2026. So, okay. which is crazy. I mean, uh, it'll be interesting to see if they actually stick with that, but um, yeah, yeah. it's it, <laughs> a, a May and a December seems like a lot of star Wars in one year, but we'll see. We'll see what happens. Sure. I mean, it was December into May with, uh, episode nine and solo so uh-huh. um That's but cool. that <laughs> that was another that <laughs> <laughs> yes. well you know what hey we have right after christmas for them to start promoting so super bowl sunday i imagine we might get if oh, yeah. the plan stays uh the way it's supposed to be i imagine super bowl sunday we'll get the first big trailer mm-hmm. for the may release and uh-huh. um yeah, then they can start marketing pretty much – they could probably start marketing right away after, what, three, four weeks in theatrical run? Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it'll be nonstop Star Wars that year. Yeah. <laughs> it'll be a big, big Star Wars year. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it, if you think about it, what shows are going to be going on on Disney Plus as well? So you're going to have the movies and the shows. There's mm-hmm. going to be quite a – I don't want to say an overload, but it'll be definitely saturated that year, like you said. Yeah, I mean, I mean, pretty much every studio is going to be playing catch up for things that they had, uh, you know, planned. They're just going to have to push all of it back because of the writer strike. And mm-hmm. and so we're going to get uh, a ton of shows and movies that um, were, were probably, you know, they had a, a plan for them to come out in a certain period of time. And they're going to have to truncate that quite a bit and get all that content out. So it'll be interesting to see how that happens. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I don't know what they're, I just hope there's not an actor strike also because there, mm-hmm. you know, there is a rumor that SAG is, is wanting to strike as well. So we'll see how that goes. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, I know. I know. It's not, not a good time for Hollywood. No, <laughs> no, see, before the pandemic, I don't remember getting all of this information about release dates being shifted. Um, I, I do yeah. you do you did it happen prior it to the did. pandemic I mean, and we yeah. just didn't really yeah. pay attention uh, i mean i i paid attention to all yeah it's it's a game that they all play they've always played this type of game because they're always wanting to um placate the shareholders and so shareholders love to know what's coming in the future and so release the release date game has always kind of been a thing in hollywood um, but it just seems like more people are aware of it now because of the pandemic, because of uh, now the rider strike. I mean, people are just hyper aware of shifting and what it can do to, uh, a studio stock. I mean, and shareholders displeasure and, and all of that type of stuff. <laughs> and so it's, it's just kind of always been a thing, but now it's just very, everyone's more aware of it now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the news cycle has taken over and really sensationalized it, I think. Oh, for sure. But oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. 
essentially that used to be, you know, you'd have to dig on the internet to find the shareholder meetings and such to really know that kind right. of information or, you know, follow the trades or something. Right. Right. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Exactly. Now it's like all the fan sites just take that news and run with it in a million directions. So, um, yeah, made, back, yeah. back in the nineties, I made my dad subscribe to variety. Uh, so we had <laughs> variety <laughs> coming to the house. So yeah, I've, I've been an Uber film nerd for, for quite a while. <laughs> uh, I mean, I was always the video game nerd growing up, so I, I can certainly, uh, relate to that because I made sure that we had subscriptions to game pro and, uh, Nintendo oh, yeah. power at the oh. time. <laughs> of course, yeah, of course, you gotta have that. Yeah, of course. At our house, it was Star Trek: The Official Fan Club. That then it became Star Trek Communicator. Yeah, got those constantly. My twin brother and I, every other month, would take turns on who got to read it first. <laughs> that's awesome. Mm. <laughs> that, that's awesome. Uh, did you ever fight about who was going first? No, but we would after we thought the, every single time we thought the other one was taking too long. We'd be like, come on, like, let's go. I want my turn. When are you going to be done? You know, so but yeah, it, I'm sure it did cause a fight or two here and there. I just maybe don't remember them. But uh, and we were very passionate about that magazine. That's for sure. <laughs> that's so good. You have to. I mean, you have to be passionate about the yeah. things you love. Otherwise, what's exactly. The exactly. Yeah. You know, so and it, it made some good memories and things that we can laugh about. So, you know, that was just something that that my that my twin brother and I bonded over was Star Trek and just the, the magazines and all the toys and all those kind of things. And it creates some really great memories that, you know, stick with you, you know, throughout your life. So hopefully he'll be home soon from the Pacific so that we can actually sit down and talk about this. I can't wait to talk Picard season three with him. When he gets home, I don't think he's been on deployment in the Pacific for the last seven months. So I don't think he's gotten to watch it yet. So he's going to watch ah. it with fresh eyes when he comes home and, uh, and see. And then it's, I just can't wait to dive into it with him. Cause we're going to geek out and there's nothing like watching two twins geeking out. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we awesome. can, and we can fight too. Let me tell you two identical twins fighting. It's a sight. Trust me. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> So. Oh, that's great. Um, yeah, I, I can. I would love to be a fly on the wall for that discussion that you and Matt have. So yeah, so he'll. You know, if if he's up to it, I'll record it and put it on my YouTube channel, and see what, yes. how that goes. That would be an, an interesting, interesting video. Definitely. <laughs> you know. So yeah, oh, yeah, give me an idea. Thank you. <laughs> Very nice. I, yeah. I will make sure that I uh, watch that video as soon as I see the notification pop up on my phone if, if it comes to that. You got it. <laughs> All right. So the last bit of news that we have um, is some physical media news. And I know the three of us are, are big physical media people. So this is pretty exciting, although it might be a little pricey. Um, so we found out that the the final season of Picard, in addition to the other two seasons, are going to be released on a Blu-ray, DVD, and Blu-ray Steelbook um, a little bit later this year. And in addition to that, this is the one I'm most excited about, and that is the Picard Legacy Collection. This thing has every 
single episode film uh, or anything that uh, Jean-Luc Picard has been a part of. So you get what all seven seasons of uh, Star Trek, the next generation you get uh, the first three se- or the, the three seasons of Picard. You get all four feature films and some nice collectibles as well as what? 35 hours of bonus features. This thing is on 54 Blu-ray discs. <laughs> 54? 54 Blu-ray That's discs. Impressive. That is Damn. impressive. Man. <laughs> I don't know. Um, 154 episodes of television, four feature films, uh, 35 hours of bonus features. Yeah, this is mm. insane. <laughs> it's really, yeah, it's really interesting. I mean, because I, thinking about my my collection that I've got of physical media, I, you know, being a movie guy, I've never really bought that many TV sets. Like for some reason, I've just never purchased anything TV wise. I've got a few, obviously, because Star Wars had some animated series that uh, did have physical releases. I wish they'd released the Disney Plus series on physical mm-hmm. media. Because I would, I would buy that. See, you guys, you Star Trek fans are so spoiled because mm-hmm. Paramount <laughs> does release all y'all stuff. But mm-hmm. uh, Disney Plus, and I'm really hoping that they decide to start. They would make so much money if they dele- mm-hmm. released like Mandalorian and mm-hmm. any of them on physical. But uh, there's for some reason, they're just not doing it. It's really frustrating because i don't I, I have a few things obviously digital but i don't like collecting digital i mean it's mm-hmm. just not my thing right um, i want to be able to hold something in my hand and put it in my 4k player and watch it <laughs> that's mm-hmm. what i want to be able to do <laughs> <laughs> well I'll, I'll be honest with you i have some bootlegs of it that i've managed to get at a con so i oh, have yeah the, i have yeah. the first two seasons in the mandalorian the book of boba fett and obi-wan kenobi they didn't have andor at during the the april convention so i'm hoping that maybe when I go back, it'll be there. But I don't like sitting and watching stuff on the computer or on my phone. I like to be able to put it in the machine and and watch it on a, on my TV set. I mean, and, and the reality of it, especially from the 4K side of things, is oh. any 4K stream um, is not going to be better than the 4K disc itself. You're, you're oh. going to get a better picture in all situations on the 4k disc itself versus the streaming. Um, well, yeah, because you have so many variables that yeah. factor into yeah. the quality on streaming. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, I mean, it's, uh, it's frustrating. I just, I would really love Lucasfilm to release those physical, but um, yeah, I mean, it, but that Picard set, man, that thing is a thing of beauty. Uh, just looking at the pictures of yeah. it, I'm like, man, that is awesome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, but uh, I mean, Disney has always been such a big proponent of physical media, too, in the mm-hmm. past, and it's just baffling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's I mean, the way that they feel like the market went. But I, I think that I think with Iger being back at the helm, I think maybe they're going to put an emphasis uh, a little bit more back on physical media. So we will see if they they start to release some Disney Plus stuff on physical media. I mean, they they haven't even released, and this is one of the most frustrating things, is they haven't even released that final season of The Clone Wars on physical uh, that they had for for Disney Plus. I mean, I've got, you know, all the other seasons on physical because it was a different company at the time. It was like Cartoon Network. And so, yeah, they released all of those um, through Cartoon Network and Lucasfilm. But when Disney bought Lucasfilm, the just... At the time, everybody thought digital was just going to be something that everyone did. But 
Um, if you look at industry figures, DVD, like old school DVD, still sells more than like Blu-ray and obviously 4K is more niche. But mm-hmm. uh, but the old school DVDs, there's still a huge market for that mm-hmm. because there's still a lot of places in the United States that just don't have access to good Internet. Mm-hmm. And so streaming services and digital stuff is is not in the zeitgeist for those people. Mm-hmm. And so st- they're still out there going and buying regular DVDs at Walmart uh, for mm-hmm. stuff. Um, and so it's it's really interesting that that industry um hasn't really i mean blu-ray is pretty popular but the the 4k one uh worries me a bit because that is still really a niche industry like the 4k physical media i mean not not a lot of people have switched over or upgraded in this case from blu-ray to 4k it's still a pretty small percentage of people but um man i'm telling you a 4k disc on a 4k tv again a thing of beauty it it, it, it Mm -hmm. looks so good I guess that's one thing I kind of take for granted is because I'm a gamer and I do generally get the the latest and greatest systems, I automatically, you know, ever since the PlayStation 3, I essentially have the best, uh, you know, possible Blu-ray player that you can have. Yeah, yeah. And it's just built into the console. Yeah, and the advantage of that is the easy firmware upgrades for the longest time. I mean, uh, anytime, especially the PS3, if they had a firmware upgrade, for the blu-ray player i mean that that would make you have the latest and greatest without having to buy s- another uh blu-ray mm-hmm. player because they kept doing really good firmware upgrades sony has always been really good about firmware upgrades for their hardware i mean that's just kind of like been something that i've noticed and owning sony even owning sony blu-ray players and my sony 4k player it'll do firmware upgrades every once in a while um just so they make sure they have just the latest greatest software for their for their hardware basically yeah i mean sony has always been a higher cost of ownership but mm-hmm. the benefits i mean they're they're not always tangible benefits either you know right right you don't always see the the value until you realize that they're doing things like that behind the scenes yep yep man i didn't i didn't mean for this to become a physical media preaching session but i could do it all night we need to move on to picard i think <laughs> <laughs> That's a perfect transition. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know we we always tangent and and go rambling sometimes. So this honestly that fits the format of this show. Let's okay, let's be okay, honest. What, what, what makes it fun and so, what, what makes it more realistic is us just kind of talking, you know, and just sharing thoughts with each other. That's what's fun. Oh, definitely, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and see, I'm always so like held back by Dave and Dr. Earl on my podcast. I don't get to talk about physical media ever, so <laughs> I'm taking advantage of it. It's taboo on your show, right? That's right. They they don't want to. They just want us me to talk about the newest movies. Don't talk about your physical media collection. <laughs> well, come here and join us anytime. You can talk physical media to your heart's content. <laughs> awesome, awesome, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, since Mikey, our guest, decided to transition us <laughs> and just steal my spotlight, we're <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think that's a good place to start talking about Picard. Don't get technical with me. Logic is the beginning of wisdom, Polaris, not the end. The Jedi uses the Force for knowledge and defense. 
Chris, I know I took the lead on the Mandalorian discussion and, uh, and Star Trek has always been so near and dear to you. You, you had asked me if you could take the lead on this and I am happy to oblige. So however you'd like to start this conversation, um, just take it away and, Mikey and I will fill in with uh, our thoughts and and as you know as the times appropriate. So go ahead. All right. Well, I think what we'll do is we'll just dive right into just discussing all ten episodes of the final season here. So we'll start with episode one, the season premiere called "The Next Generation." So basically, this episode, just brief synopsis, is the SS Elios with Beverly Crusher and an unidentified man on board the ship was being attacked. Dr. Crusher gets injured and she sends out a distress signal to Admiral Picard. So then it jumps into his the Chateau Picard on earth. He and Laris are getting ready to move to another planet and, and he's packing up all of his things when he finally hears this message from Dr. Crusher. And she says, trust no one. So obviously he goes and decides he's going to talk to Captain Riker about his concerns and they find out they I guess they find like basically where a, a general idea of where her ship is at and so what they do is they scheme to get aboard the Titan A as a way of some sort of like impromptu what would you call it uh inspection something like that and to to take them out to where the Helios was at so Captain Shaw is the captain of the ship, and when he hears about this plan, he says, absolutely not. Seven and Nine, who's now the first officer, actually tries to convince the captain that this is important, but he doesn't want to hear any part of it. So she breaks orders and orders the Titan to this this space, this star system where the Helios is at. They go over to the ship, and they are they see Beverly in cryostasis for her injuries. And Riker gets held hostage by a young man who claims to be Dr. Crusher's son. Also in this episode, we see that Raffi is working with Starfleet Intelligence. She's trying to find out some information about some sort of plot that seems to be going on and about possibly a a facility being destroyed, which ends up happening later on in the episode. Um, So there's a bigger kind of plan that seems to be happening that's going to be going on through the season so i really loved this episode it was a great way to reintroduce the characters again for for once it finally looked like admiral picard wasn't depressed all the time and questioning <laughs> life and you know he, he was back to just kind of being picard you know he was enjoying life he seemed to be happy in his new relationship with laris which unfortunately now <laughs> he had to leave her behind because he had to go off on a another mission with his his old crew um i love the the whole thing with the enterprise d communicator and and it, the, the way the message went down i thought that was really neat to be able for him to go and say you know what i can trust all the people that have been in my life. And I know that I can trust Captain Riker. So he goes right there with Captain Riker and Riker's kind of like, you know what? Sure. I'll go on this mission. But we also find out that he seems, there seems to be some sort of trauma or or issue going on with his family, with Troy and with their daughter, Mm -hmm. you know, (laughs) that we we're not, you know, at this point, we're not really sure what's going on. Um, So he kind of seems really eager to go on this mission with them. And, it was just, it was a great way to bring everybody back. A seven and nine, we had some nice continuity and growth with her from the end of season two. Mm-hmm. And um, the, who doesn't love Captain Shaw? I'll be honest with you. When I first saw the character, I thought he was a dick. Uh, but I think, <laughs> that's the way, I think that's the way they wrote him anyway. And Todd Stashley probably played him that way, you know. But uh, 
it it was a really good foreshadowing of what we find out three episodes later about his connection to Picard. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That, oh, yeah. which was powerful, very powerful. Yeah. You know, so um, I, I just I thought it was a great episode, and I know a lot there are, there are a lot of people online that don't like Raffi's character because of how mm. all the different flaws that she has. She's really grown on me because of the flaws. Oh yeah, she she's at the point where now where she's she's basically lost everything in her life. She mm-hmm. she lost her marriage. Her son really doesn't have much to do with her. She doesn't get to see the grandchild that she really loves, and. At this point, she and seven and nine apparently are not together for whatever reason. So, you know, she's got this right now. She's got this passion right now to try to kind of rebuild her life and make a name for herself with Starfleet intelligence to try to figure out what this conspiracy is. So I'm, it was I'm glad that, that she was the one character that they kept from all the way back to the beginning. Um, so what are your thoughts, guys, on this episode? Yeah, I mean, going in, uh, so with with Picard season one and two, I mean, you, there there was a little bit of baggage going in, I, I think for me at least from the, going into this season. So I was a little hesitant. I was like, I think season two was not good at all. I mm-hmm. mean, I, I was trying to think of some things that I liked about season two. And I just don't know if I liked any of it. I mean, mm-hmm. I just thought it was some of the choices that were made in that season were, were so strange to me. And so mm-hmm. I had no idea what they were going to be doing with this particular season and for them to almost like revamp the show completely mm-hmm. and turn it into more of a sequel series to the next generation um, was a bold choice. Mm-hmm. I love that they did it obviously because it worked. Um, and I, I, I just Picard was like you had mentioned, Chris, he was kind of back to his old self again, um, mm-hmm. even though we're supposed to kind of forget that he's just a, a, a droid or whatever, but, or an android. Or, <laughs> yeah. right, you know, they, they'd like you to forget that um, because, you know, it is his consciousness in this thing. So it's oh. almost like if you're a Marvel fan and you know the term life model decoy. Uh, it's it's kind of like <laughs> Marvel Marvel Comics has something like that. I think every franchise has something like that, uh, and now now apparently um, Star Trek does. So it you know that was interesting, and I I like you said, Chris. I liked uh, Rafi being back. Um, I think she is still in somewhat of a low point, though. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I mean she's still struggling through a lot of things. Uh, mm-hmm. And we come to see that even in the earlier episodes of this season mm-hmm. where she's still struggling with some maybe some uh, substance abuse issues yeah. and so, things like that. So there's still some demons there in the character. And so we're still getting to see that character grow a lot. And like you said, I'm glad that they have carried that character through season one mm-hmm. uh, and inexplicably brought her into season three. Because mm-hmm. uh, really, you thinking about it, there probably wouldn't have been much of a place for her uh-huh. in a season like this. But I'm glad yeah. that they forced the issue and kept this character in the show. I think mm-hmm. it was an important character to keep in the show. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, I I really loved the way that the uh, the season started off. I mean, uh-huh. um, so th- that's my take on it, Jonathan. Nice. What what yeah? Yeah, I I thought. I mean, I thought. <clears throat> 
Well, I mean, we'll talk about Rafi since uh, that's kind of been the, the thread here. I, I thought that the way that she portrayed her character in the first episode was phenomenal. I mean, she is somebody who is in recovery from drug addiction. And, you know, it, if, if you're not, if you don't have a substance use issue, you don't understand how difficult it is to really, truly be in recovery and, and mm-hmm. have those temptations. And I think they... The, the way that she portrayed it was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never had a problem with that. And, and, you know, you, you see how it's affecting her personal life. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, she's estranged from her husband and, and son, uh, husband won't let her see her son because, or grandson, right. Because of, mm-hmm. um, her substance use issues and, and mm-hmm. the things in her conspiracy theories and everything. But yeah, it's, it's, it's very real, uh, the way she portrayed it. Yes. Yeah. She, she's done a marvelous job bringing that character to life and bringing the, the truth of the, the recovery process into it. I mean, the reality is, like you said, with, with recovery, she, you're in recovery the rest of your life. Once an uh-huh. alcoholic, you're always an alcoholic, mm-hmm. you know? So, um, but it almost seemed like to me in this episode, she's using those addictions to kind of help her get information and things like that. So if she has to use some alcohol or she has to use some of the drugs, she's doing it for a positive reason, not just trying to go and get high at this right. point you know so right yeah right but unfortunately you know it kind of made her slip off the wagon when she had to do it for the job exactly. and you see how she almost died yes. <laughs> um so uh yeah it was it was it was really well it was really well uh acted mm-hmm. the way that that michelle heard played that role this yes. season mm-hmm. um it's funny, Mikey, that you mentioned the LMD because I think that's the season of uh, Agents of Shields where Shield where I just dropped um, after that arc because I was not a fan. Oh, man, they use that so much in the comics themselves. Also, it's it, I know it is such a tiring type of. It's basically <laughs> just a, a plot device to make someone who you thought was dead not really dead because it was their LMD and not really the person. So it's it's all <laughs> dumb. It's all dumb. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's um. Yeah, and and I, I think didn't they throw around the term golem um, for what Picard's positronic body? Yes, that's exactly what it's called. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So um, I I don't think that was in this episode. I think that was a, 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 an episode on down the line um, with uh, with Doctor Sung. Um, yes. Yeah. Towards yeah. the end of the season, like that they threw out that play. term. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, yeah, I thought it was a I thought it was a great episode. I thought it really set up the the way this season's going and and i mean who would have thought that we'd have so many twists and turns along the way the rest Mm -hmm. of the season um i recently went back and and watched all the episodes of picard just to refresh my memory for this for this discussion and i i just i I noticed some really cool foreshadowing moments um Mm -hmm. like (laughs) whenever uh picard and, and Riker are boarding the titan they're you know, walking down the receiving line and there's that yellow shirt and uh, engineering. And I think it was an ensign, but mm-hmm. he kind of looked at them weird. And then he turned to uh, look at them while they were walking away and just kind of glared. So I, I think that ended up being one of the changelings on board eventually. Mm. I so I thought that was a, a nice little, like, you know, having, having the benefit of seeing the whole season, going back and seeing all these things uh, that they were peppering in to to uh tease us with the plot was pretty cool right right yeah and who couldn't who didn't love a lot of the music cues from past star trek productions oh, man. so that good. i mean 
chill that was like sent chills down my spine mm-hmm. listening to all that and just it, mm-hmm. it, you know it, it made the it made the, the the show and the episode more intimate and, and it did that for the whole season it's for, especially for fans long-term fans you know it kind of felt like we were coming home like with the crew basically you know these are people that we grew up with you know because basically became our family so to hear these cues and stuff you know it just kind of brought an extra t- warmth to it mm-hmm. you know? so but anyway um you guys ready to go on to number two yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. So episode two of this season was called Disengage. So it picks up right from the last one. Um, the, the Shrike was had gone and uh, was near the Elios. Um, so seven and nine tries to persuade Shaw to intervene. Uh, that when they get Doctor Crusher transported to Titan's medical bay, um, we find out that the Shrike has a captain who's a bounty hunter named Vatic. Uh, but we don't really know a whole lot about her at this point. Um, she just reveals that Jack is an intergalactic criminal with a large bounty on his head at this point. Shaw has Jack arrested and intends to turn Jack over to save the crew, even though Picard and Riker say, no, we can't do this. We can't just send him away. So Jack eventually escapes from custody and attempts to transport himself over to the strike to try to save his mom. But uh, Riker helps Beverly to the bridge. And this they had that really great scene where there was no verbal communication. It was just the Picard and Crusher looking at each other. And mm-hmm. Picard knew that's that's our son together, mm-hmm. you know. And oh, as yeah. soon as soon as he tells Shaw that Shaw's like basically all great. So he knows that they, <laughs> they have to he, at this point, they have to, you know, they can't turn him over. Um so Shaw orders the Titan into a nebula that's nearby. And it was the beautiful scene when Vatic was basically squealing in delight going after them at this point. Um, that was pretty much where their story ended. And the other part of the episode had a deal with Raffi trying to get more information about what was going on with that bombing at that Starfleet facility in the previous episode. Um, she ends up meeting with a Ferengi criminal named Sneed, um, trying to find those responsible and get information. Sneed was beginning ready to actually kill Raffi. And it, I think it was at one point he gave her drugs and she said something. He said, like, prove your loyalty or prove who you are. And uh, you could tell how she was really struggling in that moment. But um, we end up having Sneed actually ends up getting killed and we find out it's Worf. And we find out partly it's Worf because of the beautiful Klingon theme that's playing when he's when he comes back, you know. So this episode was, oh, was yeah, really definitely. fun. One, the first and, thing uh, I, I really liked about I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. I was going to just throw out some awesome casting in this particular episode. Sure. But, um, well, first and foremost. I love the fact that Amanda Plummer was part of this series just because her dad uh, was obviously in undiscovered country. Mm -hmm. And I just, I I love that. Just the kismet of that, just having her uh, be in this particular series was so awesome to me. And Mm -hmm. she was such a slimy villain, just like her dad was in undiscovered country. Yes. Um, (laughs) Good way of describing it. I am so happy you mentioned Amanda Plummer because mm-hmm. I, I, I remember Chris and I were very, very uh, happy to hear that casting announcement yeah. when she was first announced. And I got to say, my expectations were exceeded with her. Oh, yeah. She was fantastic. And then a uh, much smaller but still a cool cameo, Aaron Stanford was Sneed, and he's uh-huh. the star of 12 Monkeys, the, the TV series. Uh-huh. So, yeah, oh, I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was a smaller cameo, but no less uh, no less fun. So, uh-huh. yeah. 
cool. Right? That was one of the connections. Yeah, <laughs> I was wondering yeah, if that was going to get brought yeah. up. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> I also did. I was really glad that they went with the classic Ferengi makeup with Sneeds. Oh, I know it they was up, so good. Yes. I mean, they upped it. If, if I remember correctly, I'm not a big Discovery fan, but I know when they jumped the show into the future, didn't they kind of redesign the Ferengi? They did. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. I didn't, yeah. Disco- Discovery is <laughs> a whole other conversation. Oh, uh, yeah. But I don't even know if I like yeah. yeah, I don't know. I, I don't like it pers- from a personal standpoint. I don't like it at all. Right. But I mean, you have to figure what after nine hundred years or so. Um, yeah, you know, oh, the yeah. things are going to change. Yeah, you know, people yeah, yeah, yeah. species aren't going to look the same. It's not as bad as the whole Klingon debacle <laughs> from season one of mm-hmm. Discovery for sure. Mm-hmm. So I do have to ask a question. I'm going to show my lack of Star Trek knowledge card here, and hopefully, Chris, you can help me out. Okay. Uh, the changelings have they been villainous in the past? Yes. So the 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 changelings were actually the founders of the Dominion. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. See, because my, you know, my favorite character is Odo, and so yeah. I'm like, Odo's not evil. What? Why? Why are the changelings evil? And I'd forgotten the whole right. Dominion thing. Yeah, I thought that yeah. was the the Cardassians or something like that. Well, 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 the Cardassians <laughs> ended up joining the Dominion uh, in oh, okay. season five, okay. and then they were against the Federation for the war arc for the two years. But Odo, the reason why Odo didn't was the way he was is because he was part of what was called the Hundred. So the Changelings actually had a hundred new newly formed. Fa- changelings that were sent into the galaxy to kind of learn about space and gather uh, information explore. Okay. okay yeah and so the only and odo wasn't supposed to be back to the home world for th- 300 more years but because of the wormhole odo fi- ended up eventually finding his way back home and he basically turned his back on the changelings once he found out who they what they did as, mm-hmm. be, as being a part of the dominion and uh, but he ends up going back home with them in the end in the series finale, partly mm-hmm. because he still has a loyalty to his people, but he also wants to cure them. Um, but he also uses that as his bargaining chip for the female changeling to actually end the war. So if he goes home and it was perfectly it fit perfectly with what the changelings really were, because even in one episode, she said that she would give up the whole alpha quadrant if it meant just bringing Odo home because the great links very united. So it, it was, a, it was a perfect moment where she kept her word and ended the war. So to see this, this new group of changelings mm-hmm. throughout the season was very, very interesting. And we'll get into that more as yeah. we go on in the episode. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah I was going to say, sorry for the side. That's my fault. But I, just <laughs> sorry, to, yeah. I, I knew, I knew Chris would be able to help me out on, on the history there. Mm. <laughs> no, that that's exactly what he's here for. <laughs> yeah, maybe I know too much. <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, that's that's what I asked for. So you know, it's yeah. good. Mm. No, I yeah, and and I mean, like you know, you said, Chris, we'll find out that this group of changelings, uh, including Vatic, is is a completely separate thing from the Great Link and, yes. and the Dominion. So, yes. um, but that will be later on. I believe that was a little more than uh, that was like the the second third of the yeah you know, the final third of the season where that was revealed, right? Something like that. Yeah, starting around mid around midpoint. Yeah, yeah, episode five, I believe, is when it really. Well, I think it was four, three or maybe it was three, three or four, where it was shown t- at the very end of an episode, and then it really gets explained more in the episode with Ro Laren, and then it it keeps going from there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I think you're right. Mm-hmm. Did you have any more? Uh, did you have more of a recap or? 
No, that's pretty much it. I just kind of okay. wanted to, you know, just do a basic. Is there anything more you would like me to bring in or? No, no, I just didn't know. I, I couldn't remember if you had finished the entire episode description, um, yeah. like your recap. But okay, so yeah. um, I guess while I'm talking, I will give my thoughts. Okay, um, there you go. <laughs> might as well. Um, we're breaking, I don't know, whatever. Uh, man, I thought Shaw had some really good dialogue, really good lines in this episode. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, and, and the way he delivers them is just perfect. Uh, a couple lines that really stood out to me that, that just, that got, that, I chuckled the first time I heard them and it was equally funny the second time uh, <laughs> whenever, um, you know, whenever Picard revealed that Jack is his son, uh, he was like, Shaw was like, bring them all on board. I guess we're at a hotel now. <laughs> yes. mm-hmm. <laughs> you, know, you know what his, his lines throughout the whole season, the character he reminded me of was Negan from the walking dead. Oh, yes. Yeah, you know, yeah. Negan has his whole Neganisms are just not as dirty. They're they're a lot dirtier than Shaw's were. That's about it, you know. But they, it was very similar. A lot of classic one-liners. You know, you're absolutely right about that. Yeah, and and I'm not gonna lie. Uh, Shaw or yeah. Stashwick's performance in and his character in Twelve Monkeys definitely gives me some Negan vibes, especially with the way he was first introduced to the show. So, uh, okay. um, you are spot on there. Okay. Right. So that's good comparison, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just it's just the stuff. It's just not like I said. It's not as dirty as Negan. That's all. Yeah. Oh yeah. no, 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 definitely not. <laughs> um, he's still Starfleet, and and he just prides himself on his ship and and following the rules. That's really his thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. and then his <laughs> then his other line. I, they were in their little cat and mouse game with Vatic and the Shrike, and he's like. We're cornered in space that has no corners. Yep, exactly. <laughs> perfect, perfect line. Absolutely. So let me ask you guys this. How many of you guys knew right away, even before this episode, that Worf was the Starfleet intelligence contact? Uh, I mean, I, I, I assumed that was probably him because mm-hmm. I knew he was in the seas in the season in, in the mm-hmm. series or whatever. So, yeah, I mean, I figured that's the only other character I thought of that they could go with on that yeah i think it kind of gave it away in the first episode there was a line about something about something not being honorable or something i can't remember what exactly it said um but i think Mm. that was the tipping point it was like oh Worf's gonna end up showing up here and being this this person on behind the scenes that's been playing raffy with all this stuff so but I, i i just it was a nice way of introducing Worf back into the story so i thought that was great yeah um yeah yeah, that wasn't very well uh, kept secret about who he was. Pretty much, yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah. Anytime you hear something about honor or dishonor, you know a Klingon's involved. So come right, on. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you know? All right. Yeah. So we'll move on to episode three of this season, 17 seconds. So this episode started out with, with a really cool flashback with Picard and Riker talking about Riker's brand new son, Thaddeus, being born. Um and kind of talking about how the longest 17 seconds of his life was when he thought that the baby was, wasn't going to make it. And just the lifetime, it kind of felt like for him going from the bridge all the way down to sick bay. Um, so that was a pretty cool little flashback there. Um, and then it goes into the regular time now. Uh, so Picard and Beverly start to talk and uh, she in a little sh- kind of like, 
parallel Star Trek 2, she tells Picard about why she kept Jack away from him because basically she was afraid of what his lifestyle and, and the kind of person he was, what kind of attention that would bring on Jack. And would that bring revenge? You know, who, kn- who knows what she was just afraid that something bad would happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, the Titan attempts to escape the nebula that it was in, uh, but it gets cornered by the Shrike using portal technology. That was really cool. That was a cool scene. Yeah. Yes, very much so. Um, Picard uh, advises Riker to lure the Shrike into a trap, but Riker wants to flee and prioritize saving the crew. So, um, so we, let's they, uh, yeah. real quick. Let's that felt like an odd characterization for Riker. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. I agree. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. I just, I, I just was not sure where that was coming from mm-hmm. with him. Um, other than maybe the pressure of the situation got to him a little bit, mm-hmm. but, uh, it just seemed a little off for, a, it didn't seem very Riker like, <laughs> no, I agree with you because even in the, in the series, Riker never like publicly challenged Picard on his command yeah strategies yeah it, yeah, it was yeah. a little odd okay. it was kind of like a seven and I, like when seven and i would challenge captain janeway openly right right you right, know right. yeah so you're which she was, did often <laughs> which, oh yes she did <laughs> I, I i i keep thinking about you know the way Riker talked to picard and you could you could see in in jonathan frake's eyes how painful it was to have to stand up to picard mm-hmm. you know somebody that he respected for his whole life. Mm-hmm. Um, but at, at the same time, he was the captain and Picard was serving as the number one. So, mm-hmm. I mean, he had to assert himself it, yeah. and whether it was the right or wrong decision, right. that's sure. what a captain has to do. Mm-hmm. Sure. 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 Absolutely. But it doesn't mean it's without consequence or, you know, um, I guess you can't be afraid to hurt feelings as a starship captain is what I'm getting. And you know, by this point too, Riker had his own command, the original Titan. So he's probably bringing his own experience into Mm -hmm. it on top of it. So absolutely. So another part of the episode is, so they're trying to figure out why the Shrike is able to track the Titan through this nebula. And it looks like Jack and seven and nine, they basically realized that Vatic was tracking some sort of gas leak on the Titan and they find an ensign actually was in, in the process of sabotaging the ship. Um, so there's like some sort of fight that kind of ensues and they find out that he's actually a changeling. Uh, so that, that's mm-hmm. um, so let's see. So convinced by Picard's insistence that they fight back, Riker fires on the, stri- on the Shrike. Um, but this was, this was really cool that they actually, the strike opened up the portal and actually the weapons ended up going behind the Titan and nearly destroys the ship and sends it back toward the nebula where it's being pulled in by some sort of gravity. Well, and basically that this was another area that was very odd for Riker where he basically tells Picard off and says, you're the ones that you're the reason why this is happening. You just cost us all our lives, mm. you know, so for him to publicly yeah. challenge him like that on the bridge. That was just, that was intense. Um, the other s- story that was going on would be on board the La Serena on Metallus Prime. So Worf and Raffi are together. Um, they discover that this that there, there's a changeling um, and that there's... Um, oh, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> <laughs> they, they managed to find somebody who was suspected to be involved with this bombing. And he seems to be very high on drugs. And so Raffi tries to use that to hit her advantage to try to torture him, um, knowing what withdrawal is like. And, but it turns out that 
he starts to like phase almost and Worf mm-hmm. realizes that this is a changeling. This isn't somebody being on drugs. Raffi even kind of made a comment about, okay, this isn't withdrawal, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and uh, that typical Raffi, you know? So um, I guess I, I forget exactly what happened. I think she, she ended up killing the changeling. Um, and so they realized that now the changeling's threat has returned to the Federation so that was that was pretty much episode three. What are your guys? What did you guys think of this one? Oh, I have a lot of thoughts on this one, oh, honestly. I'm going to preface this by saying I love this episode. This is not a critic. This is not mm-hmm. critical um, thoughts. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really there are some things that I just really honed in on in this episode. And the first thing was the ship photography. Mm-hmm. I, I I just think that. That is one of the best things about having such uh, access to, you know, digital technology and animation is mm-hmm. is the the level of detail that we're getting on these ships. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a scene that it's panning up over the Titan, and you see the shimmer of the shields just mm-hmm. ever so slightly, and then the camera continues panning up, and then you don't see the shields. It's like, you know, basically when you were eye-to-eye with the saucer section of the ship, that's where you saw the shimmer, and I mm-hmm. thought that was just a great little touch. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's... What do you think, um, Mikey, of the ship photography? Oh, and, no. And... I thought... Look, it, it does amaze me um, that they are able to to do what they can on a television series with probably not like a huge massive budget on this particular series compared to something like uh you know star wars where you know sometimes some of that stuff you know i have a a a funny quote that i like to say where i can see the volume because they film a lot of that stuff (laughs) with those big led screens on that volume with with the mandalorian and book of boba fett and all of that mm-hmm. um it where where it feels small and that you can tell you're on a set uh but with this particular series uh picard it just some of this stuff looked so good on it looked like film f- very f- film budgety when it's just on a tv budget so it's mm-hmm. yeah I, I was amazed by a lot of it and for me you know i like to look at like the, the behind the scenes stuff too Frakes has really just continued to get better and better with his direction. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he, you know, he directed this particular episode and I just, I, I was just so impressed with this, this one um, because it was very action packed. He's directing himself obviously, which is a challenge. <laughs> um, and he did give himself some meaty stuff. So, you know, but that's part of the, Look, if you're the director, you can give yourself some good stuff. Um, sure. And he, he did look, he he's fantastic director. I mean, he's always been kind of that way with Star Trek. But to mm-hmm. me, he keeps getting better and better and mm-hmm. like more surprising mm-hmm. um, with the stuff that he brings to the table with his, you know, not only his acting, but his his directing. Um, and real quick, I did want to shout out yet another like casting Easter egg, mm-hmm. uh, Thomas Decker. Uh-huh. You beat me to it. <laughs> uh, I'm stealing you. I'm stealing all your stuff. There you Sorry. Go. Yeah, he he was Picard's kid in generations. Yep, it's crazy. Absolutely nice little tie-in. And a lot of people may not know this, but he was also John Connor in Terminator: The Sarah Connor. Oh, Chronicles. I loved that series. Yes, that, was- that show was so good. Yeah, I wish it, it got more than two seasons. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah.
that's that's what I had hoped uh, uh, that the recent feature Terminators would have been uh, able to yeah. capture, but mm-hmm. alas, that is not <laughs> that was not the case. Mm-hmm. And we don't even talk about the last two Terminator movies. They don't exist. <laughs> no, we, we, yeah, they definitely don't exist. Yeah, yeah. I don't yeah. Genesis was dumb. Yeah. Uh, it was it was a terrible movie, but I still enjoyed some parts of it. But yeah, mm-hmm. I, I don't count it as a as a Terminator movie. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. They they stop at salvation for me, honestly. <laughs> oh yeah. Same same with me. Same with me. You know, I did yeah. like Terminator Dark Fate. I just because I have a bit of crush on uh, Linda Hamilton as Sarah Connor. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, yeah, that's I, fair. I, know, I was glad she came back. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. At least one last time. Mm-hmm. You know. So all right. Any? Oh, oh I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no. Um, I was just going to say, you know, uh, that was kind of a thing, you know, with with badass women making a return to cinema. You know, you had Jamie Lee in the the Halloween movies, and then you had Dark Fate. So it was definitely a a, a thing in the late twenty uh, teens. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Now, if we can move a little forward and actually get Sigourney Weaver back for a final Alien movie, that would be really great. Ooh, that'd be good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good. I'd, I'd be on board with it. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, talking about badass women, <laughs> let's segue into Gates McFadden, man. I thought she was – I was hanging on every single word mm-hmm. in this episode of hers. I mean, I, I know the reason why she came back is because of this material, mm-hmm. and I'm so glad that she did because, yeah, I mean, she was just utterly captivating the whole time. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. I completely agree with you. And she, you could tell in her acting how much she relished the role, you know? And yeah. like I, like I said earlier in, in, when I was talking about this episode, I, did you guys notice the parallel from Star Trek two with about the reasons why Dr. Marcus kept Kirk away from David his whole life? And mm-hmm. you know oh, what I mean? Oh yeah. Yeah. So I thought that was, uh, that was a really nice kind of connection that is kind of kind of like saying that you know that your life is a starfleet captain it's great that you get to be that but there are consequences that can come from having that kind of position of power and mm-hmm. you know and what parent wouldn't do that try to protect their kids from that kind of situation i mean it sucks for picard because he didn't get to know right. his son right. but i mean you know when parents you know i don't have kids but i mean it's you know parents they'll do anything for their kids to protect them you know, and I, you know, as much as Picard's upset about that, I think as the season went on, he kind of understood where she, where that came from with her. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I guess the last point I really wanted, well, there's two points I want to hit on, um, mm-hmm. if you don't mind. Uh, I really, <laughs> I got a kick out of the, the portal weapon sequence in, mm-hmm. in the nebula, man. Mm-hmm. Um, and this isn't a slight, but the whole thing was – it was fantastic, and I thought it was brilliant. I thought that Vatic was just – again, she just is so scheming and slimy that you know mm-hmm. that she thought to do that. But I also couldn't help of, but think of the video game's portal. Right, right. Yeah, <laughs> hard not to – yeah, hard not to parallel that. And, mm-hmm. and I know <laughs> – Chris, you're not a big gamer, but the idea is it's a puzzle-based game where you have a portal gun and you basically have to uh, – you have like an entry portal and an exit portal. And you have mm-hmm. to like sh- like send objects through the portal to get them into position so that you can solve the puzzle on the level. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I just – I kept waiting for – and I don't know. Maybe I'll have to go back. Maybe it's subtle. Maybe it's there. But I just kept 
waiting for like a GLaDOS reference or like mm-hmm. the cake is a lie or something <laughs> to come up. Mm-hmm. Exactly. exactly. Um, I mean, that would have been hilarious, but I don't think, I think, I don't know if that would have, if there would have been a way to make that serious and just be like a, a, a covert nod to fans without it being seeming over the top or out of place. Right. Right. But, um, oh, and then the last point, uh, man, I, I just, can we talk about Ed Spilliers? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Uh, by the way, uh, Jack Crusher, Jack, the actor that yeah, plays Jack, Jack Crusher. Yeah. Um, who I, I know he, he's been in a lot of stuff. He's been in a lot of TV before he's, he was on Downton Abbey, I believe. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He's a BBC guy. Yeah. Yeah. Which is not a show that I've watched. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did watch out or I do watch Outlander and I, I don't know just because of knowing him from that show and how despicable the character is. Mm-hmm. I immediately thought he was going to be like a villain or somehow involved <laughs> um, <laughs> because he is not a nice character in Outlander mm-hmm. at all. <laughs> um, he plays a, a pirate. Uh, uh, John Bonnet, I think is the pirate's name in the show that he plays. And yeah, he is not a good person. So I, I guess my, <laughs> my, uh, my red flags went up and, you know, the first time I saw him as Jack Crusher thinking that he was involved and then, you know, glad it didn't turn out that way, but mm-hmm. you know, I can actually root for him. So, right. Well, right. you know, he did, he is at least at the very least, he, he is a bit of a swashbuckler in Picard as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And and certainly some things that happen later in the season, uh, like, you know, kind of, oh, well, oh, maybe he isn't good. Right, maybe, right. I mean, he's just know, a great but, actor. I mean, he's just really talented. I mean, oh, I, for sure. I was not familiar with him because I don't I didn't watch either of those shows you mentioned. But I mean, he, just knowing um, knowing his characterization in Picard and how you're describing him as being like super villainous and outlander. I mean, he, he's just a talented actor, basically a really, yeah. really good character actor for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. That's, that's all I wanted to bring up. So I don't know if you guys have any other thoughts or, or if you want to move on, but I just wanted to make sure that I hit on those points because mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, they were good points. So thank you. I, uh, yeah, I don't really have anything else more about this episode. Mikey, do you No, no. Um, yeah, no, we can definitely move on. Yeah. It's okay. Cool. So we'll go on to episode four, which was called No Win Scenario. This was a very interesting beginning part because Vatic, who we find out is a ch- also a changeling, she contacts her superior that she's working for, and basically she cuts her hand off and it turns into this weird, like, Ghostbusters kind of, like, ghost <laughs> face, mm-hmm. you know, and, you know, talking like a demon. And, and you know, basically... It, it, uh, Vatic is told to go and pursue the Titan at all costs. Vatic seems kind of hesitant about that for whatever reason, but uh, she's told she has to. And I believe the face kind of was making threats toward her about what oh, her yeah. future would be like, those kind of things. So, um, but it says that them going into going after the Titan, doing so in the nebula, that would require the disengagement of the portal technology. Um, so with only a few hours of power remaining on the Titan, Riker admits Picard was right and suggests that he spends his last moments bonding with Jack. Kind of like going back to what we had in the previous episode with 17 seconds, trying to get him to to talk a little bit about spending that quality time with your child because you never know when it's going to be gone. Mm -hmm. Um, So they go in the holodeck and Picard talks to Jack about some of their, some of the, I guess, adventures that he had with uh, 
the uh, on board the Stargazer. And I don't know if you guys caught it, but they were on Argelius four, I believe is where he and his best friend, Jack Crusher went to as uh, Jack called it, get, get laid. And um, <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> right, and, right, uh, right. Yeah, and uh, but Argelius 2 was a planet in the original Star Trek show episode Wolf in the Fold from season two, where Scotty was being framed by a demonic creature for murder. I don't know if you guys ever watched that one. Uh, I probably did, but I don't remember it. I've seen you know, it a lot. I've seen most of the three seasons, uh, mm-hmm. but uh, I, I don't recall that one. Ah, watch Shame. it. Yeah, it is a great episode. Definitely watch it. Turns out that Jack the Ripper was actually some sort of like non Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The Jack form. the Ripper episode. Yes, okay. that's I know the it. one you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Okay. But that was a little tie-in to, to, with the Argelius thing was to that episode. Um, but so they're having a good time in the holodeck and all of a sudden Captain Shaw comes in and, um, he's still injured from, from whatever battle he had in the last episode. I can't remember the details, but, uh, he comes in and he basically kind of goads Picard and basically tells Jack, do you know really who your father is? And we find out that he was actually a veteran of Wolf 359. He was a young Mm. ensign engineer at the Mm -hmm. time. And he got some severe trauma from what what had happened, watching his crewmates die, ship being destroyed, one being one of the few survivors of this. And um, he goes on this big meltdown rant, and Picard oh, ends up leaving so the good, holiday. Though. Yeah, oh, it was it was oh, wonderful. It was so it was beautiful. You know, and so Picard leaves the holodeck. Jack goes after him and the crew's looking at him like, what the hell? You know, <laughs> I mean, but I mean, watching somebody have like a, a flashback moment with PTSD, yeah. it's, it's strong. It's hard to watch, yeah. you know. Um, so let's see here. What else do I have here in my notes? OK, so basically Riker, Beverly and Picard come together and they form a risky plan well, where they try to they decide they're going to use some sort of energy pulse from the nebula to recharge the ship's systems. Um, Shaw and Seven and Nine actually help help them succeed, and Seven is able to find and kill an actual changeling imposter who had been sabotaging the ship and helping the Shrike to keep track of them. Um, also, the uh, the Titan damages the Shrike on their way out of the nebula, but. It's not actually a nebula. It turns out it's some sort of life form area, which um, was a really nice little tie-in. It wasn't the same exact creatures from the Next Generation pilot, those jellyfish creatures Mm -hmm. in Encounter of Farpoint, but that's kind of what they reminded me of. And um, so, but there was, this time there were like thousands of them floating around. Um, The Titan manages to damage the Shrike on the way out of the nebula, but as, and that's pretty much where their story ends. But there was a little part in the beginning of the episode, or actually it was going through on and off through the episode where Picard was thinking about several years in the past where he was talking to different cadets from Starfleet Academy about his life experiences. And at one point there's a young man at the bar in a hat who actually talks to him about, did you ever have any family? And Picard makes the comment about my young man, I've Starfleet's all the family I've ever needed. And Picard didn't know that that was his son at the time. But as soon as he started thinking about it at the end of this episode, he realized Jack did try to reach out to him at one point. Yeah. And ironically, he turned him away without realizing it, Hmm. you know? Um, So the episode ends. This was very interesting because obviously we knew that Jack was going to have some sort of specific role, but at this point it made it sound like he just was kind of like some intergalactic pirate, 
you know. Right. But now he start, he's in his quarters, he's washing his face, and all of a sudden he starts having these visions happening, and he hears a voice say, find me. So that just kind of opened up a whole new thing for his character. Like, what the heck is going on here? You know, is he some sort of alien? Is he actually Picard's son? Is he, you know, a plant in some way? Well, you know, what, whatever it was, <laughs> you know, you know, so it, it, it was, it was a very, it was a good episode. And it just added some more questions like, oh my goodness, you know, what's going to happen with this character and how's it going to affect the heroes? You know, so what did you guys think? Yeah, I mean, I, I again, this particular episode, uh, the character work is exactly what I remember from this partic- particular episode with, um, you know, the bar scene and everything that went down in there. I really, really loved all of that. Again, mm-hmm. this was another really strong uh, episode directed by Jonathan Frakes. I mean, he, mm-hmm. he's showing his chops with this particular episode again. And um, the the characterization of Jack and you're starting to like wonder what's going on with this guy uh, i was at at this point i was wondering if we were doing the borg again a little bit because mm-hmm. the whole find me thing and i was like a little to be honest at that point in the season i was a little disappointed and uh-huh. just thinking are we doing the borg yet again but you're uh-huh. like it's hard <laughs> it's hard yeah. You uh-huh. have to kind of, that's a huge part of his character. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. You kind of do have to do that. I mean, you do have to keep going to that quote unquote well. I mean, you know, somehow the Borg returned. Uh, uh-huh. It's just, you know, <laughs> <laughs> yep. thank you. That was, I needed that. <laughs> it was that type of thing. But, um, but yeah, no, I, I, it's just this show, like I said at the beginning of this, I mean, this particular series, um, the first two seasons uh, I struggled through and for them to be bring this strong of a season, it was just amazing to me. So yeah, this, this particular episode really was uh, more focused on the character work. There was uh-huh. some good action stuff in it too, but it was definitely more focused on the character work, which is kind of what I, I look for in a series anyways. So. Right. I'll be honest with you too. What was special about this episode is it did something that a lot of the newer Trek seems to not have done. And it really focused on a diff- an alien life form and them actually being there and witnessing birth mm-hmm. of different creatures that, you know, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it, it was, even though they were, kind of plunging to their death they they basically got to explore and, and encounter a new species mm-hmm. and that's a big part of what star trek's all about and i don't think that like i wish going kind of going back to discovery a little bit the show's called discovery but they never really discovered anything right, <laughs> right. space you yeah. know so they actually brought that kind of old old original series next generation feel to it it kind of reminded me of the fourth season episode the next generation galaxy's child where they actually encountered a space-faring life form and it attacked the enterprise because i guess they thought it thought it was a, a risk and they fired back at it and killed it by mistake only to find out that it was pregnant and so they managed to help deliver the baby, but the, the, the mother's dead and the baby actually thinks the enterprise is its mother. So it's, mm-hmm. uh, do you guys remember that? You I know, do. That's kind of what it reminded me of. Just kind mm-hmm. of like new birth and, you know, just kind of exploring what's out there in space. And again, I think that was, has been really lacking in Star Trek. So that was a nice touch for them to bring that in there. One thing I will say I that, about this episode also is, 
I was starting to get to the point where I was, it felt like it was starting to drag with them being in the nebula. Mm-hmm. We were already in episode four. We've been there since the first episode. I was kind of starting to say, okay, let's wrap this up now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, there's more story that's got to be coming here. Yeah, because you're thinking to yourself, wait a minute, there's only 10 episodes. We've got, we've really got to start moving this thing forward. <laughs> Bingo. Yep, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And I do have to say, I do have to say the only thing that Star Trek Discovery discovered was bad screenplays. That's all that they can do. <laughs> yeah. Got to throw that out. And <laughs> ugly Klingons. not a lie (laughs) no lies detected uh chris i'm kind of glad that you brought up how this started to drag because i was afraid that i was going to have to be debbie downer Mm -hmm. um this was my least favorite episode of the season Mm -hmm. and 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 i and mikey um nothing i'm not taking anything away from the character performances and the character moments because those were legitimately the best parts of the season mm-hmm. or of the episode rather. Yeah. Um, who I, I just, I just, I loved Shaw's speech and his monologue about his experience at Wolf three, five, nine, man, yeah, that yeah. gave me chills. Yes. Um, I, and, and the whole thing with Vatic, like, so cutting off her hand and who was she communicating with? Was she, was that like, I thought it was connected to the Borg. I thought it was a changeling that she was communicating with at that point. Yeah, that's what I thought too. I'll uh, say, Mikey, I didn't had, had no clue that the Borg were going to be involved. I thought it was going to be purely a changeling season at hmm. this point. You know, yeah, it, the only the the red door thing and the find me thing. Mm-hmm. I, I just for some reason was thinking Borg when I heard that. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas with Vatic, I thought she was solely communicating with whoever you know, her, um, you know, the changeling that, that was working with the Borg, I guess, at mm-hmm. that point. Mm-hmm. No, that makes yeah. sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe. I, I'm, I'm not sure. And we never really got an explanation yeah, for it. We didn't. I, I thought, Which is yeah, I, I, it was sort of disappointing that we never tied that particular story element together. Mm-hmm. Uh, if the Borg and the changelings were working together for some uh, means to an end type situation, like the mm-hmm. Borg, maybe promised the changelings something. Um, mm-hmm. So they were working together, but I, I don't know. I mean, I, I just figured that that's what they were trying to, to do, but maybe I'm off on that. Mm-hmm. No. I, and I'll kind of tell you guys why I thought this was my least favorite episode. It, mm-hmm. it, there was so much going on plot wise. It was really just a, uh, it was a lot for 55 minutes. Oh, um, right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and with the, with the, <clears throat> You know the ship being stuck and uh, being pulled into the gravity well. The the hunt for the changelings. Vadix seen reporting to her superior. Uh, this everything in ten forward with uh, Jean Luc and, and Jack and it it just it it felt like a greatest hits of TNG. Yeah, mm-hmm. but can you imagine watching this on an old school? with commercials and like having to get through this type of episode with having to sit through commercials and stuff <laughs> like we did with TNG and, and DS nine and all that stuff. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, y- y- streaming shows are definitely tonally very different because they know they don't have to deal with commercials. Well, at least I'd, I don't let them because I pay for the, the <laughs> nine, nine. Mm-hmm. like I know some people might watch these shows with commercials, but I cannot imagine doing that. Mm-hmm. I-, I would not, I hate commercials now. Um, mm-hmm. And so, no, I definitely pay for the non-commercial Paramount Plus. Mm-hmm. 
Same. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I go ad free on oh, everything God. but Hulu. I mm-hmm. couldn't. This this show would suffer for me if I had to sit through even just thirty seconds of ads. I would not want to do that. <laughs> exactly. That makes sense. First world problems, I know, but <laughs> very much so. Very, hey, we're spoiled. We are spoiled. Yeah. Now. Yeah. Um, I, I, I do love how this season mirrors DS9 in so many ways, mm-hmm. you know, uh, with especially like Shaw's Wolf 359 speech, it immediately brought me back to Cisco's in mm-hmm. DS9 yeah. mm-hmm. and, and uh, you know, obviously the changelings as well, but mm-hmm. you know, just, just the, the way that it mirrors what we see in DS9 so well was, was actually one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you're right. I mean, because Deep Space Nine doesn't get a whole lot of love. It was one of those things you either liked it or you didn't like it. So right. to bring that little bit of lore back was was incredible. It was a nice nice way of reliving kind of our childhoods watching those shows. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. Well, I, I think DS Nine got unfairly compared to Babylon Five. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah, that's, that's probably true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. So. Okay, I, I guess I guess my my complaints weren't all that bad. <laughs> no, not at all, not at all. Don't be afraid, and don't be afraid. Even if you, we you weren't going to be the Debbie Downer, it's okay. Yeah, it's, it's an opinion show, so you you get right, it. right. Okay, all right. So let's move on to episode five, then called Imposters. So the episode pretty much starts with Jack having visions of him actually murdering the crew, which is starting to to really bother him. He's starting to wonder what the heck's going on here. So also, it it, it happens that to be that uh, Riker returns command of the titan to shaw which maybe wasn't the greatest idea in the world because he basically decided to contact starfleet to turn picard and Riker over um and there were there was even a point where uh, a ship actually showed up the uss intrepid and while they're in the turbo lift shaw Riker, and picard shaw's basically taunting them <laughs> they're, they're going to be going to jail basically <laughs> and he kind of talks to picard about some of his indiscretions i guess one of them was what he kind of basically said that he was banging anish during interact insurrection um mm-hmm. i can't remember the other other ones that they, that they had said um but that that anish one really stuck out but anyway for some reason they had they were told that the per- a person is going to be coming over from the intrepid but they wouldn't be transporting it'd be by shuttle so and which is a big key uh plot element as the season continued to go on, but the Intrepid's boarding party comes on board and there's this lady in the middle flanked by two officers. And, uh, it turns out it's Ro Laren. Mm-hmm. Who would have ever thought we'd see Ro Laren after 30 years? Never would have thought it. No, no way. Was. I thought that was done, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, so it turns out that she, after, uh, the Maquis had been destroyed, she ended up being, arrested but she got rehabilitated for the second time and got basically put into starfleet intelligence um also at this time um beverly conducts an autopsy of the changeling imposter from the previous episode who took the form of uh was it uh sydney laforge right so it was a sydney or yeah no, yeah sydney. Mm-hmm. yeah okay all right and um they, she discovers that the changelings have actually evolved to to a point where they could evade body scanners and she notifies Picard. Um, but at this point, Roe basically forces him into the holodeck. So this was a really nice touch because it shows that there was, even though there was a lot of attention between them, they had never resolved what happened in, in the, the episode in the next generation. Um, it was a nice, it was like, I loved the, the whole thing about this episode was them getting a chance to kind of work that out and finally make peace with each other and realize that they could actually trust each other again. And so we, after all of that, we end up getting to the point where she, 
says that there is some sort of conspiracy going on in the Federation. Mm-hmm. Different people are, are disappearing and, and different orders are starting to be added when these people return. Um, and she's been gathering all this different information. And this is basically where you find out she says that she's been working with an intelligence crew on, I believe it was Metallus Prime talking about trying to figure out who these saboteurs are and that there was some sort of plan in place for uh frontier day about what mm-hmm. about some, some sort of event was going to happen with the Federation. So at this point, she's getting ready to leave the Titan and she gives Picard her Bajoran earring. When she actually gets on board the shuttle, those two officers that were with her turn out they were actually changelings. So they set a bomb on board the shuttle and then they disappear. Ro contacts the Titan. Um, she says about the bomb, but she has no time to deactivate it. So she to, to save the Titan, she actually destroys herself in the shuttle by colliding with the warp nacelle of the Intrepid. So um, the saboteurs try to transport out with Jack. Um, but his visions influence him into shooting, the, shooting them dead. So he's starting to kind of act out the hallucinations that he's having. Um, Picard and Riker realize at this point that the earring contains actual intelligence that Roa had gathered and basically a communication device for her contacts. And they're surprised when they find out that it's Worf who's actually the contact, you know? <laughs> so that's where their story ends. But Worf and Raffi, after being absent in the previous episode, are actually back continuing their investigation. And they they speak with a Vulcan criminal. Yes, Vulcan criminal. That's like an oxymoron, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> named Kryn. Um, and we find out some very interesting things about this guy. Just, just He was basically born on the streets of Metallus Prime and never really had much of a family and never really adopted the logic. And he actually has a very twisted and warped kind of logic that he uses to justify his criminal behaviors. And um, basically he has Worf and Raffi at gunpoint. And he actually has it where Worf is actually killed but it turns out that he was just severely injured. I guess they mm-hmm. actually, if, if I remember correctly, they had Raffi actually fighting Worf and Raffi had to stab Worf and she mm-hmm. thought yes. she'd killed him. Okay. Yep. Yep. But um, I guess it's some sort of Klingon technique where they can kind of simulate death. Um, and they managed to kill all of Kryn's bodyguards. And at this point they realize that um, Kryn basically realizes that he's kind of stuck. And so he gives them the information about more of what's going on with the plot with the changelings. Um, and the episode ends with Jack confessing to Beverly that he's been having these visions. He had been debating whether or not to talk to her about that. So I thought this was a great episode, but I want to hear what you guys think first. Um, so I, I want to point out uh, a giant Easter egg with 12 monkeys. Um, I was going to let you have this one. I was going to let you have this <laughs> Okay. One. Thank you, Mikey. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> uh, I appreciate you <laughs> for that. Um, so the, uh, the, the actor that portrayed um, Kryn, the Vulcan, uh, Kirk Acevedo, yep. he is one of the main supporting actors on the 12 monkeys show. He's kind of, uh, the other the, the main actor Cole, uh, he's kind of his buddy, um, yeah, and then yeah. later antagonist. Um, but you know, not only was was uh, Kirk Acevedo playing, uh, you know, the character of Kryn, that whole knife fight scene was straight out of an episode of season one of uh, of Twelve Monkeys. 
the setup was exactly the same. You know, you've got a knife being thrown into the center between two mm-hmm. people who are fighting. Uh, they have to fight over the knife, and 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 of course, someone ends up dead. Uh, just like in the show, mm-hmm. well, just like in Twelve Monkeys, someone ends up, you know, getting stabbed. And I thought that was a great little callback to uh, having just seen Twelve Monkeys. Mm-hmm. Um, and and yeah, Kirk Acevedo. I mean, he's he's a TV guy. Yeah, he's been um, around a long time. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, he's been around. He was in the Arrowverse for a while. Um, on on the on Arrow, I believe. A couple episodes of Agents of Shield. Also, I mean, the dude's been around a long time. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. he's a great little reliable character actor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, he's really good. Yeah, and and, and he's one of the he's one of those that guys, you know. Mm-hmm. And you kept saying Metallus Five. I mean, that's t- like as in Terry Metallus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I figured that was pretty obvious. Yeah, I wasn't going to point that one out. That yeah. it, like they made it that obvious. They're like, "Yes, I want this planet to be named after me." So that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> Just a slight little bit of narcissism there, maybe. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Yeah. Just a little bit. Yeah, it's he, okay. he gave us a good. He deserves season. it. Yes. Yes, he Amen to that. It. Yeah. Amen to that. Now. Having Michelle Forbes back as Ro Laren was just an absolute treat. I personally thought that she had written the character off years ago. I had read mm-hmm. in 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 magazines or different stories online that she didn't even really want to be in that last episode, of The Next Generation. That they basically guilted her into it until you know, until she finally said, "Fine, just leave me alone. I'll do it." Mm-hmm. You know, so I thought after that, that was it. I mean, she was never even mentioned again, even in Deep Space Nine. Um, and I yeah. don't know if you guys know this or not, but she was actually supposed to be a regular on Deep Space Nine when they were creating the series, and she was going to actually be the first officer to Commander Cisco. But um, oh wow, yeah, uh, but she, yeah, but she didn't want to commit to a six-year television series, so they created the Major Kira role. That's- yeah, I was going to say the Kira is almost like Roe. A little yeah. bit. I mean, very similar characters. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Yeah, it wasn't a big stretch uh, to. Uh, to adjust the character ever so slightly for right. um, not a visitor. Right. Exactly. Exactly. I didn't recognize her at first. All I saw was this woman with long black hair and a stern face. I literally said to myself, yeah, she looks like a real bitch. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's literally what I said to myself. And then when, when Riker goes row Laren, I was like, wait, what, what just happened here? <laughs> now, now let me just say, and maybe this is just me. Um, I knew right away, but, I have always, always, always had a crush on Michelle Forbes oh, and yeah. Laren, hey, So and she ages well, that's for sure. Oh, she does. looks the same. Mm-hmm. I mean, she crazy. still looks damn good. Yes. <laughs> and she is an incredible actress. She really is. I mean, she can go from being calm and happy to sad and tearful mm-hmm. to angry and stern. I mean, she just she plays her role so well. And and you can see it in her eyes, just just the looks that she gives and being able to produce the tears. And the, it, it, she's just she really gets into these roles that she's in. And she's very good at, in roles where she's in authority. If you guys saw her in Battlestar Galactica as Admiral Kane of the Pegasus. I don't know if you guys are oh, into that. Yeah, show. She, that yeah. Was her. Yes, Dude, that was I love her. the new BSG. That's oh, so, oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. that was her. I mean, she played that role to perfection. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. is one of my glaring errors in TV is, is I have only seen maybe half of the first season of the new BSG. And I need to go back and rectify that. I know. Ooh. I know. But oh, it, it will be on the list. I haven't watched, dude. It's, no, there's, <laughs> there's too much content, my friend. Oh my gosh! Yeah, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> but it was just—it was just nice to see her back and get some resolution of what happened after 
preemptive strike. Um, I, I just never thought it would ever happen again. And then all of a sudden there she was. And they didn't, they didn't gloss over it. They spent half the episode with her and Picard actually trying to, basically they were trying to justify their feelings the mm-hmm. way they felt at the time and why they were still mad at each other. But I think they came to realize and respect some of the decisions and thoughts that they had had at that time. I felt bad that she felt like she was trying to live up to something that Picard was trying to create in her mm-hmm. um, kind of mirrored kind of what I guess Wesley felt at mm-hmm. the end of next generation, mm-hmm. you know um, but they finally made that peace with each other. And the, the way they had her, they killed her character off, I think was, was beautiful. I think the fact that she, she gave her life to save Riker and to save Picard and, and, and the Titan crew it was the perfect way to say goodbye to her. Yeah, I, I loved how the episode had the theme of sacrifice running through the yeah. uh, through the whole thing as a through line. I mean, you know, War, uh, first Worf taking the stab, you know, his, you know, him sacrificing himself to make sure that uh, Raffi could, con- you know, mm-hmm. um, finish uh, th- that tense situation, and then of course, you know, the episode ending with Roe sacrificing herself. Yeah. I, I thought that was, yeah, that was a great through line for the whole episode. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And again, it was a ni- also a nice way to bring Worf into the Picard Riker storyline, mm-hmm. you know, at this point. So, and I, yeah, that was masterful. Right. Absolutely. It was just, it was a really great episode full of nostalgia and emotion and bringing closure and opening up new questions and expanding the storyline that's been going on at this point. It's half the season, you know, so it, it, it was, it was definitely a winner for me. And we actually started getting away from that damn nebula. Yes. You know, enough. Yes. The nebula. <laughs> All right. That's so so any other last minute thoughts on that one episode? No, I got nothing. All right. No, I'm good. Yeah. Hey, it's Jonathan. Just wanted to pop in here and uh, kind of record a little outro for episode 28. So uh, because the conversation continued for almost three hours, we decided to end episode 28 here right at the halfway point of our discussion of season three of Picard. So in a couple weeks after this episode drops, you will get the second half of our conversation, which will be Captain's Logs and Lightsabers episode 29. So until you hear from us again and we wrap up our discussion on Picard. Make sure you follow us on our socials, follow Mikey and the Deucecast movie show on their social platforms, and uh, we hope you'll subscribe to their show as well. If you want to hear some good people talk about their love of film and, uh, you know, have some insightful discussions along the way. So check out the Deucecast movie show and we'll Catch you next time on episode 29 of Captain's Logs and Lightsabers.